fucking bring it. It's Monday, June 4th, 2018. I'm Jeremiah Zimmerman, and this is episode 163 of the 5049 podcast. I've been looking forward to collecting props that's a bit overdue. I came to collect props like a property tax. From all you hate to laugh, novelty acts. Thank you for joining us for another conversation. Look, today's a good one. Today it's me and a really old friend and someone who I consider to be an absolute legend. Getting into it, talking about music, talking about a lot of different shit. Uh, Today on the show, it's me and one of my all-time favorite musicians, MC Paul Barman. How you guys doing? You all right? You hanging in? Let's hear what Paul Barman has to say. MC Paul Barman is on the show today, and I couldn't be happier to welcome onto the show someone who I believe to be a complete an utterly unique, original American musician. Before we get into it, look, there's a lot to talk about. And the very first thing I'm going to mention is thank you. From the bottom of my heart, I, I really want to express the most sincere gratitude I can to everyone who contributed to the Kickstarter that I just did. To be perfectly honest with you, that model of, of funding is, is uncomfortable for me. I don't like walking around with my hand out. It's hard for me. I've never been good at asking for things. Let me just say it's been very heartwarming. It's been very uh, uh, re- uh, assuring and reassuring to see that level of support from people, from you. Uh, thank you. The whole thing is funded, going into production, and I can't wait to share some new music with you. So, so really, thank you. The other thing I want to say is uh, thanks to everyone who came out last week to Arate for the first uh, 5049 live podcast recording. We're doing another one on June 20th with uh, a very close friend of mine and stunning, amazing, virtuosic musician Peter Evans and a new group of his. I think most of you guys know who Peter Evans is. And uh, it's going to be good. So June 20th at Arate. Go to the 5049 website to find out more. MC Paul Barman. That's who's here today. If you can't tell by my voice, I'm a little bit sick right now. So, so please forgive uh, if my voice is a little more irritating than normal. I've known Paul pretty much since I first moved to New York. Uh, that was in summer of 2002. And the previous summer, or maybe the summer before that, uh, I heard his his first EP. It's called It's Very Stimulating. He was produced by the the great, the legendary Prince Paul. And I still think it's one of the greatest things in all of hip hop. Uh, I used to be, you know, pretty into hip hop. I don't really listen to a lot of it anymore, or rather, I don't. I don't keep up with it that much. 
But when that record, when that EP came out, it was jarring in the most satisfying way. I had never heard anything like it. And 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 how is that? Well, yes, the the tone of Paul's voice is uh, is a bit unusual for the hip hop game. Certainly, he's working at a very advanced uh, level of of lyrics and rhyming. And all this that first EP from beginning to end is is fucking hilarious. You find yourself laughing all the way through. And I like to laugh when I'm listening to music. You know, one of my f- very first uh, favorite musicians, favorite artists as a kid was was Weird Al. Weird Al Yankovic. I was born in 1980. For people my age, Weird Al is a crucial artist. And I'm not so pretentious that I'm going to deny that now. I still love Weird Al. Uh, and I think, you know, I'm going to speak for Paul. I think, you know, I no, I'm going to go ahead and say, uh, I'm, I'm going to explain in a second some of the different lyrical things that that paul does uh i i I think i feel a kinship to paul through a mutual love of weird al but when i talk about advanced lyrical techniques um paul does things like cross stick rhyming double cross stick rhyming he does palindrome rhyming so an example of that on the first track on his first ep there is a full verse that's cross stick rhyming that means that every word of the verse the first letter of each word starts in such a way that if you put it on paper it says his full name paul nathaniel barman that's called crostic rhyming uh there's another track on his first uh lp where the whole verse is a palindrome from beginning to end you can read it either way and it says the same thing on uh, a mixtape he put out a couple years ago, uh, there's a track called uh, Back on a White Horse. And the whole track is double cross-stick rhyming. That means it, like the, the one I mentioned a second ago, it says MC Paul Barman all the way down. And then if you go left to right, again, each rhyme, uh, I, I, it's hard to even explain. I'm going to put a link. If you, if you go to the 5049 website, at the bottom of this podcast page, uh, there is a link to the video for that song. And you can, it, you, you'll, you'll understand what I'm saying. So, you know, cool. This is all very heady stuff. But like I said, the music's really fun. And Paul, you know, there's, I, you know, I, I grew up, I went to, you know, a liberal, a Jewish liberal arts summer camp in the summers in Connecticut. And there's a sensibility, you know, Paul, wait, what am I saying? Paul and I went to the same summer camp. He's a couple years older than me. Uh, There's a sensibility that we share that I think is very specific to time and place and, and cultural conditioning. And I love Paul. When I first got the idea to do this podcast back in 2012, Late 2012, when I was uh, first writing down ideas for what I wanted the show to be, for, for people that I wanted to come on, Paul was one of the first people I wrote down. Um, it took a while. Here we are, you know, five, six years later, but it finally happened. Uh, and it happened because Paul's got a new record out, and it's his best thing yet. It's called Echo Chamber. Uh, it's just as as funny as his old stuff. It's just as as clever in the way it's constructed as his old stuff. Uh, but it's also kind of dark 
and I certainly a reflection of, of the time we're living in. The production's all great. Uh, various producers on this record, but it's, you know, Quest Love, it's MF Doom, it's Memory Man, it's Prince Paul. Uh, you know, the real masters of hip-hop, you know, work with Paul. They know that they're dealing with, you know, a heavy, heavy individual. The record's great. It's called Echo Chamber. Um, something Paul and I talk about for a minute on the show today is, and I, you know, like I said, I've known Paul for, you know, 15, 16 years, and I had no idea that he had a brother. His brother uh, contributes what I think is one of the best verses on the record. Um, and I think you're going to be hearing more from his brother. He's a rapper named Youngman. And I tried getting Youngman on the phone because uh, I was a little curious to talk to him. We, 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 couldn't, we couldn't make it happen. He's a, he's a hard guy to track down. Um, but anyway, MC Paul Barman. The new record is called Echo Chamber. And if you want to hear it, you can stream it. Uh, go to mcpaulbarman.com. I, I, I can't... I can't recommend Paul's music enthusiastically enough. It's some of my favorite stuff. All of it. Spectacular. mcpaulbarman.com Go to the 5049 website. Uh, dip in. Check out some past episodes. Check out the Patreon. Uh, and that's it. We're, we're coming up on almost 10 minutes here. Hope you guys are all doing well. Here's my conversation with MC Paul Barman. <laughs> For a perfect high five, keep your eye on the elbow With a bro hug or handshake, I never can tell though You had me at hello Jinx, you owe me a coke I said it first, but my homie is broke No, I said it first, jerk, chill, it's only a joke I trace today's status back to the face tat I asked for a lace pattern and got a placemat Embrace the problem or it's a race to the bottom Grown man thinks he can own land A bone hand emerges from the stone sand Disturb burial ground, carry around Spirit silence, a scarier sound what making young girls cry well i made a young girl cry the other day it's kind of funny when you put it that way what's worse than that though it's like i don't want is that your intro theme there's no theme what's that this is us oh that's us right now nice yeah we're going we just go Let's go. Um, no, it's not that I, I felt some shame around the fact, not that I was like an old guy saying, oh, that's not music with that shit. More that I was like a comic book dork. Like I was sitting at a bar and I, a female joined us and she left upset because I was talking down to her like a fucking dude in a comic book shop. Right. Which is worse than being like an old crabby Jew. Well, I think that your guard was down because you were at a bar. Yeah, it had a couple martinis. Like, it's not fair to expect you to be totally. What's the word? Equanimous. 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 Friendly. Friend. Uh, <laughs> diplomatic. Diplomatic. Yeah. When you're drunk and not at work anymore. Okay. okay there's a thing though. It's like when you. But grown ups are expected to be diplomatic twenty four seven. Not at Milano's is, bar in House and Street. Expect, well, here's expect. the thing: if you spend your entire day. Oh, you interviewed Bill Orcutt. Love his shit. Do you really? Yeah, I put it up a couple weeks ago. I gotta hear that one. Yeah, it's a good one. His work is so good. It's crazy. He was selling his house. In, it was listed, in, including like the guitar shed. Wait, in San Francisco? No. In upstate. Oh, really? Where there's no public schools. We can't live there. Wait, wait, wait. No, my point, sorry, sorry I, I, is that 
if you spend your entire day around idiots and assholes, <laughs> and in your private time, it's never happened to me. Never happened when you're having a drink. <laughs> it's like my tolerance level for idiots and assholes. It's the same reason I don't watch TV. It's the same reason that like I have no interest in finding out what chain smokers is. It's like the time that I have in my head is so sacred to me. Yeah, that, like I want William Blake there. Yes, I want Derek Bailey there. Wait, you know, I don't know Derek Bailey. The greatest guitar player ever. Oh my God! Can I hear some? Well, later, later, later. I used to have the biggest William Blake book. Really? Yeah, I sold it. When it you were too, hard up? It was too, well, it's just too big to move. Like that fucking young book I have right there? That, the red book? Ooh, you see that? I need to look at that. Yeah, we'll fuck with that in a minute. Who's that? Oh, it's my nephew. <laughs> nice. <laughs> <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I mean, I've heard, So you felt good about her crying. You still no, feel I, I good felt, about it. No, I feel terrible about it. So what did you do about it? Did I you, apologized. In, how'd that go? Not so good. <laughs> she, she actually, to, to her credit, said something really funny, which is, we were, she, she, at one point she's like, all right, well, uh, have a good night. I'm leaving. And she left. And he, my friend and I went out to have a smoke and like, you know, talk about it. And she came out of the bar and I was like, oh, I thought you left. And she goes, I left your table. And she was wearing this jacket. And I said, I said, oh, that jacket looks really warm. And she goes, yeah, well, that's just another thing you're wrong about. <laughs> That jacket looked really warm. Yeah. That, that was your like peace offering. Well, no, I apologize. A completely trite, irrelevant <laughs> comment about her jacket. Are you good at apologizing? Uh, well, I'm pretty good at needing to apologize. I did apologize recently. To I was your wife. I was cracked on coffee, yeah. which is why I didn't want this coffee. This is really good coffee. Uh, it does smell good, and um, I moaned about a. Fairly positive review. Wait, you you felt you were upset by it? I was just like, <sighs> I hate to bring this element into our conversation, but it always irritated my tits when people are like, "So people say blank uh -huh. comment," and I'm like, "Look me in the eyes and right. tell me what you think." Right, because journalistic objectivity has been out the window. For generations. Yeah, 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 yeah. And by saying people say, you're giving power not just to anonymity, but you're sourcing what? Right, when? You're like creating consensus that's fucking fake. You sound like Donald Trump right now. <laughs> that motherfucker. <laughs> no, but you're right. You're right. And it, it avoids any sort of accountability. Bottom line is, you know, whether you agree with the dim light that's being shined on your project or not, uh -huh. especially now, got to be grateful that it exists. Yeah, that anyone even notices yeah, it exists. Yeah. Right. So, so I did apologize. Wait, 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 who did you apologize to? The writer. Did you send them like a nasty email or something? No, I, I like... Oh, it was in an interview. No, I like tweeted that I was irritated uh -huh. and... Uh, he was really nice about it, and then I got some sleep, and I realized I was completely wrong, and I apologized. You don't have to apologize to writers. I think you need to apologize whenever you're wrong, and even oh, better is that. not being so vocally wrong all the time, yeah. which is you know something I've been working on. I mean, I'm generally pretty good <laughs> at apologies, uh, but just not like in the moment, mm. you know. I apologize to people, and like, I, I think I actually I craft them pretty well. Keep them tight, concise. In the moment, it's sometimes... It's not believable. Well, it sounds like... 
I mean, in the moment is handy because you realized it fast and the damage control is pre-sleep or whatnot. Right. But I guess before you can really apologize, you kind of have to make sure everybody's settled down too. Right. I mean, if, if you want it to be heard and if you want it to have like any kind of meaning. I mean, <sighs> yeah, the only person I, I, I apologize to on a consistent basis is my wife. Mm-hmm. And usually that's, you know, kind of loaded. <laughs> how uh, loaded how because i'm not really sorry <laughs> because you're like because it's just like you know it's honey both- what i'm trying to say is even though you never apologize and you're wrong as much or more than me i'm apologizing anyway because we're traditional like that yeah <laughs> that's exactly right you got it <laughs> you have like a wire system in here <laughs> so wait before all right, when they, oh, we, i just want to get out of the way are you sad about philip roth he died today. So, wasn't he old? He was 85. It's a pretty good run, 85? I would say so. Uh, I know that Ornette died of old age. Yeah. I was broken up about that. I was too. That hurt. That made my, my chest hurt for a few days. Same. I actually went to that record store. Um, is it on Bleecker? Like the last one left? Like Bleecker Bobs or whatever? No, no. At the one with instruments in the basement. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah. I wandered in there and I was like, dude, you got any Ornette records or what? He's like, we just sold out. <laughs> and he was like, he engaged with me and he like knew Ornette personally. Yeah. And like, he was like, I, I was here when Don Cherry pawned his horn. Or to go get smacked. Three times. <laughs> uh, you know, and like, I was like, you knew him and you're not broken up. And he, go, he said something. I hope I get the words right. He was like... I don't hold on to people like that or something like that. And I was like, wow. How old was the guy? Old. Well, I and, think, and, I think and that's by something like that, that comes with By age. like that, he didn't mean like people of the genius persuasion. He meant like in that manner. Like he doesn't hold on to people, period. Yeah. That's what he meant when he said it. And I, I was really impressed. Actually, it kind of helped. It, it, it wasn't upsetting to you. I don't find that to be an upsetting statement. No, I wasn't. I, it made me feel better. I was yeah. like, if someone who knew him can just let it slide like that, you know what I mean? Yeah. I will say this about Philip Roth. Um, he was really friendly with Philip Gustin, uh-huh. who I'm a huge fan of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So while people are real quick uh, lambasting the recently deceased, I'm like, well, you know, Philip Gustin knew what he was doing. If they were, you know, married at the hip, he couldn't have, he must, there must, he must have been kind of cool. Yeah. No, I mean, right? I, I read a couple of his books, and the one that really stuck with me was The Human Stain. Yeah. Um, That's for, one of the few I've read also. Yeah, I read that, and I read American Pastoral, and I started I, I started dipping I in, and I was like, oh, yeah, this guy's a great writer, and I identify with a lot of the stuff, and it's it's, it's, it's an interesting narrative, but like all the as- – or not all, many of the aspects of like being Jewish that I'm not down with are like full in display. full color, yeah. full display. Like it's – you know, the – it's it's a little too close to home. A lot of that shit for me. Wait, what are we talking about? Like all the like masturbation stories and just kind of being like a gross old Jewish dude. That's all gross old dudes. You think that's particular? You think Jews it feels particularly more? Jewish because they can't get laid? <laughs> <laughs> Why is that particularly Jewish? Maybe the way he wrote about it. Yeah, and, yeah. Maybe. maybe um... And then he greased his shlemiel with schmoz <laughs> and rubbed it against. His tummy tuchus, because it was squeezed in a line. Like that? Stop my tuchus with your schmeckle. 
Yeah, stupid. <laughs> oh, this this is a good time to cut into the trailer we just cut. Well, yeah, do it, do it real fast. Are you gonna add music to it? No, I'll do it later. But if you want to like give the, do you, you want to okay. set it Hang up? On, I've me, never me, seen the movie Showa. Okay, are you, are you leaving? <laughs> I, I was I was gonna be like, really? They showed it in my nursery school. Um. Okay, so the movie Showa. Well, let me just let me just put in the reel. Okay. I'm so proud. There's a world premiere of the trailer. We we just finished wrapping it at the uh, Sundance Echolocation Laboratory. Yeah. From the people who brought you Showa. The long-awaited sequel, Shonda. <laughs> this time it's personal. But when I said never again, I meant not to me. <laughs> End scene. <laughs> I expect you to add like a swell of uh, I'll add a, I'll add a swell. What I'll do is at the end of the episode, I'll put together a, a, a nice cut of that. You could probably cut this time it's personal. I no, think I think it's important. <laughs> I, I, I think it, it, it brings it into focus that it's a... So when you talk Jewy shit, yeah. and Philip Roth Jewy shit in yeah, particular, yeah, yeah. what we're talking about is this very... Get on that mic. You know what to do. This very uh, uncomfortable East Coast mm-hmm. American mm-hmm. Jewy thing, mm-hmm. which is a particular flavor which we don't realize it, uh, until we're more worldly. Well, but the weird thing about it is the all those qualities that I find personally reprehensible, um, as soon as I leave New York... I go to LA and I'm like, oh, these aren't real Jews because they're like laid back and not like. like I got jabbing. the bagels FedEx to me because there's nothing like New York wool. But it's not even like that. It's like, oh, they have the most fabulous bagels. <laughs> Maury had them sent out all the way from New York. Do you want to come over for a nosh? <laughs> you don't want to relax? I want to relax. Are you, I want but, some space. You don't need space. You're in heaven. Am I? You get to complain because you have the lab that's heaven that I'm sitting in. Yeah, it's well for I fucking people like us, but that's I didn't mean the to say I didn't mean to say you don't get to complain. I believe everybody gets to complain. I just meant like this is nice. Well, here's the thing. I'm beginning to realize that by sitting in this fucking room, I think I've potentially prevented myself from ever finding any real fortune. What is real fortune? This is real fortune. Is it? Yeah. Books and CDs and fucking photo albums and notebooks. I mean, yeah, it's all I ever wanted, but um you think you should want something else? Well, I'm hitting like it's a midlife crisis shit. We were talking about it for like a second. Okay. okay. We can get into that. I, I just, you know, like I'm, I'm not a little kid anymore. I still function like one. I don't understand, you know, wealth or how people build fortunes. Or, uh, I don't I really have any skills. I've kind of fucked my life up. Okay. Highly relatable. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, maybe it's not that big a thing to talk about. It's just that. But, um, you know, you've retained your, you've retained your joie de vivre, which no. a lot of... Adults. No, I have. I'm like I have nightmares, and I wake up screaming, and I scream myself back to sleep almost every night. And the Are you only serious. Way, yeah, I'm dead serious. The only way I don't have nightmares is if I drink a lot before going to bed. This sounds like a problem. <laughs> the drinking or the nightmares? The I only sleep well with drinking. That might be the only when I go down the checklist of like signs of alcoholism. That's the only one that uh, that sends off like a. Uh, do what are there like nightmares right before the screaming? Like particular things? Yeah, horrifying nightmares. Do you mind talking about them? No. I mean, what, what are they? What happens? Like, I had a dream the other night. I haven't talked to my dad in a bunch of years. Uh huh. 
And in this dream, we were at my childhood home, and he came walking up the driveway, and he looked peaceful. He looked like the person that I'd like to have a relationship with. Mm. And as he came in to hug me, mm -hmm. a group of men came running from the forest and began beating him and drowning him in this pond because it turned out he was a child rapist. Wow. So, like, it's not like, oh, I dreamt that my teeth were falling out and a big rat chased me. It's, like, hyper-specific to, to my sitch, you know? These dreams are incredible. They're... Do you keep track of your dreams? Well, first of all, I would hope that you write them down. And getting rid of them doesn't even make sense because you're, they're gifts because as they're happening, you're processing shit. The torture already happened. The dream is not the torture. The dream is the reconciliation of the torture. And I believe that if you allow them to run their course... It's for healing purposes. I do believe that. I think one of the dangers of weed that no one talks about is that either you stop dreaming or stop remembering your dreams. Mm -hmm. Dreams, like sleep, are healing, healing processes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So with a magnificent, vivid experience like that, if I were you, I would instantly write it down and keep a, a journal and not try to forget them. Right. Because they're amazing. Right. And creatively speaking, I mean, Jesus, score that film. It's not a film that anyone should see, though. But, but, it's, but that's you. Yeah. And it's not like you're playing Mary Poppins at your gigs. <laughs> so <laughs> I don't know what you're trying to avoid. <laughs> but, um... Yeah, that is really, really amazing. To answer your question, um, I keep track of them. It's not that I remember them so vividly. It's that uh, I do I do have writing utensils at the bedside at all times. Yeah. If I'm in an organized enough place in my life, I definitely try to relax my body with my eyes closed at the moment of sleep and let certain things happen, whether it's like try to solve a creative problem. Like I'm kind of deep into children's books now. Mm -hmm. Hopefully that's all going to work out. Hopefully it's not too early to talk about, but um, like even to just let that develop, right. just like close your eyes and let it develop. Like that half asleep state is really amazing. When I was a kid, actually, I didn't know that I was a lucid dreamer. I only heard a label about it uh, recently from adults who try to do it. Man, that's when you have some, you, you, you can consciously somehow take part in the dream. Is that yes. what it means? That's basically your conscious, in my experience, uh -huh. I'm conscious enough to know that I'm waking up. Right. And um, controlled enough to keep my eyes closed, keep my breathing relaxed, and be like, okay, this is a good moment to take flight with a naked Cindy Crawford in black and white. You have those kinds of dreams? I used to. Right. Uh, now, um, it's more like I can remember that rhyme I dreamed well enough to write it down yeah. before getting up. And a lot of those are in 99.9999%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and uh, some of them are in antennas. And um, I know that Memory Man, who you have to meet. Mm -hmm. He lives in like Texas or something. Yeah. yeah. He's thinking about different places. Right. And I keep telling him, don't come here, go to LA. <laughs> you got to be insane <laughs> to come here. Insane. Now, yeah. Um, he... He talks about that stuff with me all the time. He's yeah. like, um, you know, like 
the way that he organized the Blue Moon Kaboom mixtape. Did you hear that one? Yeah. I mean, I got all your shit. Thank like, you. I, I mean, Thank it's, you so it's much. music that I still find deeply engaging. Awesome. And a lot of the music that I listen to, contemporary composition stuff, like you listen to it, you deal with it, and you don't necessarily put it back on. I, I, I enjoy listening to certain things over and over again, yeah. and, and, and I can do that with your stuff and still find plenty yes. of compelling well, uh, stuff. Man, that is what I'm trying to do. Thank you so much. Should we talk about music? <laughs> well, no, not necessarily. All I was going to say was... Um, he has a wealth of stuff uh-huh. to assemble and sequence. Right. And he makes those connections, I think, is the word hypnogogically? I've never heard that word. Something like that. What does that mean? In a state, in a trance-like state. Okay. Where he'll challenge himself to be like, what should I use? Okay, something came through me to tell me what to use. What should I sequence? I mean, how should I, how should I string it together? Mm -hmm. And then he'll come up with, you know, thematic connections that come at the end of one song and the beginning of the next song. Sometimes they're obvious and it's like, oh, how did I not think of that? And sometimes it's like, yeah, that works really good. Yeah. And he'll trust the energies around him enough to call upon them rather than being super, um, linearly like yeah forcing it through that's not the word i want but you know what i mean i know what you mean but it, th- but i think forcing is actually a good word and and that what you just described is you know one ver uh one one way of describing what is ultimately the goal for a lot of people and they think of it differently way uh differently which is finding momentum in your work yes and and when you find momentum you learn to not question it right if you've established certain yeah working techniques skills and and, mm-hmm. and levels of craftsmanship and the great artists i know they don't stop it well is that right is this uh, right, right right you right. know like they they just do mm-hmm. that's the goal yep in life as well whether you call that adulting or not it, are there any other dreams you remember yeah or since you don't write them down no i, I mean i remember I, I hang on to them do you want tell me another one well here's a because uh, that last one was Awesome. There was a dream I had years ago that so consistently matches up where with with what uh, a sort of aesthetic sense that I that I adhere to and I first experienced it in this dream. I dreamt that someone gave me the keys to this old dilapidated movie theater. And this is they, already a classic. Yeah, and they were like do whatever you want with <laughs> oh it. Oh my god. So I organized a show where throughout the show there was no explanation of what the show was going to be. I don't worry about that. It's was that your father? Oh my god! <laughs> Is that a picture of your father? No, that's uh, that's, that's Morton Feldman and Oy vey. yeah, okay. and Robert De Niro. Um, well, some ghost just moved to picture frame people. It was the ghost of Morton Feldman. <laughs> <Who's> <laughs> He's that? like, I don't like you talking bad about Jews. Who is that? He was a composer. Oh, okay. Um, no, but so I, I I organized this event, and there were about eight people in the audience. Mm-hmm. And but the whole concert was uh, you were sitting there in this room. All of a sudden, the lights would flash so bright that you can't see, mm-hmm. and then a speaker would blow out, and there would be crackling sounds, and you know uh, um, it would get hot, and it was all just like sequence by sequence. And that was kind of like it's kind of still how I make records. I think about it like that, like jarring events after jarring events. Mm. <laughs> so. Well, that doesn't qualify as nightmare, does it? No, that was just a dream. But that was a dream from years ago that I still, I mean, I can close my eyes. And so I'm you're back making your dream. dreams come true. Oh, God. I love that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't, I mean, I was, like I said, I haven't talked to my dad in a while, but I think yeah. he's, he's not at the bottom of a lake somewhere. He's kicking it. 
He's Hang in there, Dad. He's lamping in Portugal. Oh, oh, right. Yeah. So, wait. Do you talk to your dad? Yeah. Okay. 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 Yeah. I shared the record with him. The new one. Yeah. Did he give you feedback? He did. Was it welcome feedback? It, he said it was the best one yet, which it is. Uh huh. Um. He's a little concerned about it getting out there, which is fair. Uh, based on the content of the music or based on the current landscape of how people receive music? He's just like, so how, what are you going to do you know, to promote it? I'm like... <laughs> Fucking parents, man. Uh, ask Jeremiah if I can come over. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, he dug it. Like, yeah. It's interesting because, you know, he bought a stack of CDs like this every weekend. He was a music guy. Oh, my God, yeah. Jazz? Mostly rock. Oh. Really anything that um, a cool magazine recommended. Really? And um, I think in the same way that I let off Steam recording between day gigs, Yeah. I think he probably vented at Tower Records to a degree. Like... At least if I buy this stack of CDs, you know. Got something to look forward he, to. He loved his work, but I shouldn't speak for him. I don't know. All I know is I would come in from Jersey to three new towers of CDs. Yeah. Not to mention the custom-made thing for records. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, the CDs were on the top of the turntable lid, which was frustrating for playing the vinyl. Right. And... um. I would just, while they were watching basketball or football or whatever. Yeah. All of them. Yeah, yeah, Except yeah. my stepmother. All of them. All of them over there on the couches. I was just like, going, with headphones on usually, going through these CDs one at a time, trying to check out what was going on. It was like, looking back at it and picturing it now, it was as if, I was brought to work at a college radio station for days at a time as a kid. But it was cool shit or I mean like my dad There was so much of it yeah. that I would go through it and figure out what was good. Like he had the Pixies really? CDs before uh, Surfer Rosa and Come on Pilgrim came out independently at first. Uh-huh. Then, you know, cuz CDs could be 80 minutes long, they were both on the same He had them when they were separate. Right. CDs. He had them right away. He hadn't heard them but he had them. But he had them, right. and I heard them. And I, it was just, like, uh, completely mind-blowing. And, you know, that would usually be new stuff. Right. So I'm going through all the new stuff, and then... This is what, the, the 80s? The records 90s? would be the old stuff. Yeah. hmm Yeah. 80s and 90s. And um, so, you know, he had the dual cassette deck, and I would just tape whatever... I thought I had, you know, whatever I thought was like the three hours of the best yeah. that I had found, or maybe two hours at the most, that's what I had time to tape. Uh. And then I have it for my Walkman to walk to school yeah. in New Jersey. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, do you remember particularly impactful music from that period? The reason the Pixie stands out is because I was like, Dad who are these guys? This is some of the best stuff I've ever heard. Yeah. And he was like, oh, I haven't heard that yet. I was like, you better. So ultimately, I would make him recommendations for what he was the one who bought. (laughs) It's amazing. Well, I remember 
Something that you and I have for weeks. And yeah, I mean for years like that. Yeah, yeah. Did, so does he? Did he ever listen to this shit? Yeah, yeah. But you know, the car played tapes. Yeah. So sometimes I gave tapes to him. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, 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 no. I just want to reinforce the fact that it wasn't a once in a while thing. It's right. what I did. Did you? And you guys would participate with that music together. You would talk about it and listen to well, it. Well, and- ultimately, like if the Pixies were in town, he would take me. Really? And he would stand there as someone my age and like let me rock out. Uh-huh. And there'd be no chairs. And he kind of wished there were chairs, but sure. he took me anyway. Yep. Extremely formative. Dude, the cramps. You saw the cramps? Oh my God. Unbelievable. I, I had no idea. Because I thought their records were, like, cool. Yeah, really cool. But I think it stands out as the best show I've ever seen. The Cramps. And the Reverend Horton Heat opened, whom I had never heard of. Wow. That that double bill, unbelievable. I think it was at the Roxy. Uh Uh-huh. Like on 18th Street or what? Yeah. Yeah. I'm not sure. Okay. We saw the Pixies twice. Um... The Cramps, man. Whew. Lux Interior uh-huh. created a person out of the mic stands. Is that like a famous thing that you've heard of? No. Towards the end, he like took two mic stands, busted them in half so that they were kind of bent in the middle. Yeah. Did a bunch of other shit with the mic stands. It was slowly becoming a stick figure. He then took... Like an SM58, uh-huh. like, like, like a lasso, <laughs> and swung it around the top, like axes, where the broken right. pieces were crossed, and somehow let go so that the mic ended up being like the head. What? It was incredible. And the music was phenomenal. Yeah. And at that time, gender wasn't... Uh, Gender things weren't as mainstream, uh-huh. and the extremely androgynous male, right? But uh, presenting as a gorgeous female bass player was like kind of freaking out the bros. Yeah, like she's hot, and then by the end, it's like she's a hey. Yeah, and just and like and and Reverend Hornheed rocked it so hard, no one thought that it was fair to come in after them. But then when the, it was insane. Yeah, the cramps yeah, is fucking... Insane. And also, I was more familiar with their newer work at that time. So mm-hmm. when I heard Bad Music for Bad People after I saw them live, I was like, oh... Oh, this is what it's really about. Oh, I didn't know. <laughs> I didn't even know. <laughs> and to this day, Human Fly, come on. I do wonder, like, I've talked about this a lot. Like, you know, I, I saw concerts as a little kid. Uh, my dad, when I was like three, took me You to- saw who? Different concerts, you oh, know, concerts. Um, like I saw the Eagles when I was three. It's very important. Uh, very <laughs> important music. Unf- uh, yo, that dueling guitar shit holds up. It's the worst. There's a reason it's on the radio 17 million times a day. Yeah, because people love shit. That song rules. So, and I like, um, down at the sunset grill. Did you know Randy Newman programmed that keyboard? I hate that shit. I hate all that shit <laughs> like so it. much. I would rather, and I know, I mean, the, the band that at the end of the day, the worst sound that I could possibly imagine, if I was... They're going to be somebody with good songs. Let me just predict that. Allegedly. Okay, let's hear it. 
Like, I mean, I would honestly rather listen to my entire family be like raped and killed by a pack of wild dogs than listen than spend ten minutes listening to Steely Dan. That's a provocative statement. It's the, it's literally if you could just like take all of it's like them and three eleven are sort of like neck and neck for like I've never heard three eleven and if you don't think Steely Dan has jams you are bugging. I don't know which side of you is saying that. I think that's the the Jersey Jew talking. I don't think that's the the hip hop. Uh, what have you heard? Um, up, uh, Peter Guns, Uptown Baby, Uptown Baby, with the Crown Baby. You don't know? You don't like that song? I, I mean, you have to understand. Like Steely Dan to me is like audio kryptonite. It's not. It's not. It's not an intellectual. What if I said I'm really a fan? That's great. That's great. I mean, it, I would, that rhymed. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> Sorry, go on. No, but I do wonder, like... Of all the bad shit you could use as an example... There's nothing worse. Hmm. I mean, I don't enjoy Cardi B or, like, whatever I hear when I'm in the back of an Uber, but... um, (laughs) You know what I'm saying? That should be the name of an album. In the back of an Uber? Whatever I hear when I'm in the back of an Uber. That's the only time... I don't don't know what fucking um, Ed Sheeran was, but the the song kept playing in the Uber. I was like, this song sucks. What is this? And I was like, oh, this is that guy that everyone's talking about. I never heard it. Anyway, I wonder if... Like the first, it's so fun. The first concert my friends and I ever said, "Oh, dude, let's get some tickets. Let's get our parents to drive us down there." We saw Bad Brains and Fishbone. Oh, I saw Fishbone a few times. Yeah, and are I mean to this day, like, I never saw Bad Brains. That's the concert experience that said, "Fuck, that's what I'm gonna do." You know, not specifically. I'm not, you know, but and obviously seeing the Cramps would be a formative experience. I wonder if you could ensure more kids had like a well curated first concert experience, you know, like not like, Hey, I really like Ariana Grande. Should we go see Ariana Grande? You, you want to know what my first concert experience was? What? Billy Joel, the bridge tour. See, that's terrible. I hate that shit. Had chicken pox. Really? Mom told me I couldn't go because nope. I had chicken pox. Started to cry. She said, fine, I'll let the doctor decide. Doctor said, you can't go. You have chicken pox. Started to cry. He said, okay, you can go. I said, doctor said I could go. So I went, first and last time I ever wore a turtleneck willingly, <laughs> covering my seeping, festering, contagious so if there's pus. one place that, there's two, all right, there's two places where wearing a turtleneck seems appropriate. One would be a fucking shitty Billy Joel concert. Um, and the other would be like at a fondue party in the 70s. Like a like a turtleneck and a blazer. Both those things sound good to way better to me than a turtleneck. No, that's like some gross nineteen seventies shag fucking carpet. You mean they own their home? Oh, that would be good. <laughs> it's big enough to have guests. I've been watching. So I watch a lot of movies. I watch a lot of TV. Curated though, I don't. You know, like uh-huh. I've been watching Columbo every episode. Okay. May, it might be my favorite show of all time. And it's just not a new observation. But people in the 70s were gross. I don't know what to say to that. I know that early 70s music is some of the best. I know, but I'm saying like, so I watched the movie the other night, Network. Have you seen this? Of course. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Absolutely timeless. But if I was in any, if as like a normal person, I, would like, I walked in on any of those scenes, I would be like, ew, could you stop smoking? Could you, <laughs> could you turn on the air conditioning? Is that you? See, I told you I aged. You're more sensitive time. Yeah. You know um, what I'm saying? Though? I don't remember I don't remember how they look. I just mean like people in the seventies, like they always look like they're hot and sweaty, smoking cigarettes mm-hmm. and like eating gross food. Mm. And, I don't know. No. 
polyester? Yeah, it's gross. It doesn't breathe. It makes your skin itch. <laughs> I mean, all hairy and shit. I mean, at least they dressed up. We wear the same shit no matter where we go. Yeah, right? but that's different. Isn't it, isn't it kind of more evolved to have like uniforms in accordance with certain rituals? I don't know why I'm defending 70s garb. I don't know anything about it. My favorite movies are from the 70s. Mm-hmm. So the movies I spend most of the time watching are from the 70s. I just, every once in a while, I'm reminded, oh, these people are gross. Like they don't look like they brush their teeth that often. Anyway, uh, so you, <laughs> they, you know, your new record is your favorite record yet that you've made. <laughs> I'm like, are we supposed to go back in time and brush their teeth? Like, I didn't, I don't know. I just say if I if I had that same time machine I was talking about earlier, right? And I ended up on the set of one of my favorite films. Like, I'm like, yo, Robert Altman, let's talk for a minute. Like, get all of these motherfuckers into a shower, get them a haircut, and tell them there's no more smoking indoors. It's better than uh, what do you call them? Grill? No. Uh, oh, um, caps? They're, they're called like uh, fronts or something like that. When you shave your teeth and then oh, I don't know anything like about porcelain that. on it or and stuff. I, I think I need to do that because my teeth are nasty. <laughs> <laughs> That's why you're mad. You recognize your teeth and what you're watching. Yeah, maybe. A boy who's mad at you shares the same attributes. He may shout and yell because he hates part of himself. How can we be aware of what we're not aware of? We spread light like a headlight when we share love and the benefit of the doubt. See how the end of it come out. You can be dead wrong. Uh, you can... Oh, I messed it up. That's from the Get Along song. Yeah. That's an old song now. Mm-hmm. That was like 10 years ago you made that. Yep. So wait, wait, wait. I want to ask about something. You... Because we got to talk about music at least a little bit. You can be dead wrong, headstrong. And instead of saying, I said a song about you, the brand new get along gang. Okay, that's how it goes. We see each other intermittently. Let's see each other more often. We should. I really would like that. Yes. Um, we have a lot to talk about. I, I, I have a feeling this thing could go for hours and hours today. Because um, there's a lot to talk about. A similar trajectory mm-hmm. that we have found ourselves on is this battle between like earning a living, finding ways creatively to do that keeping an artistic output going and you've managed to put out a lot of shit in the last few years yep you've always you've always kept it going yes do you that, that's a true statement right uh, yes i mean to the outsider's point of view it's possible that i've been super stingy when in reality i was just a little stingy stingy in terms of sharing uh. you know what i mean yeah like i could have put out mixtapes like blue moon kaboom more often Right. I could have jumped on SoundCloud after recording a song that afternoon instead of sitting on it. Uh I could have had an Instagram or even a blog where I shared my drawings sooner Uh or, you know, more often. Uh Uh, I could have uh, just... um, You you could have engaged more in that that model of putting stuff up instantly. Yeah. Yeah. But you didn't. No. Consciously. Well... Yeah, consciously. Either I wasn't ready to share, or I didn't think it was good enough, mm-hmm. or um, I was doing stuff that was really, really personal, like those cool audio ketubas you and I used mm-hmm. to do. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, those were not meant for public consumption. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, the sort of healthy schizophrenia required to, like, hit work and then hopefully make something brilliant for people to go, hey, that's brilliant. Public. Like, you know... It takes a certain amount of maturity to juggle all of this stuff that maybe I didn't have. And mm-hmm. also, I was just letting things gestate. Um, and you were aware that you were doing that? Or were you, like, beating yourself up over the... It's totally both. Yeah. It's totally both. Mm-hmm. I, 
very fortunate that the right format came around, which is this label I found called Mellow Music Group, mm-hmm. where they could kind of talk me through the process and provide enough budget to make certain things happen and, mm-hmm. you know, get it out there in a way that Thought Balloon Mushroom Cloud certainly did not, mm-hmm. um, regardless of how their intrinsic qualities, mm-hmm. you know. Um, I think also I was kind of waiting for the dust to settle after the numerous media earthquakes. Mm-hmm. Like, has it settled? Yes. Spotify is a great example. They're fucking thieves. The dust has settled enough that okay. we can go from the same thing, which is everybody getting sued and people going to jail, uh-huh. to... It's the number. It's the m- number one most elite place to work. Right. 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 Thievery has a long tradition of being regularized in this continent. Yeah. And uh, when the dust settles, that's just the law. Yeah. So, you know, I kind of skipped the LimeWire SD card in Nokia phones right. transitions, and it's like, okay, here we are. Yeah. You know, the fact that uh, Chance the Rapper has never sold his music and even Obama personally told him, you need to start selling your music, like just shows that I'm not completely in the future yet. You know, we have downloads and streams. Wax CD and tape is coming soon. I haven't uh, released my first T-shirt yet. But like Chance, who's 25, Mm -hmm. has never sold his music ever. Like the only time he ever sold his music was when uh, it was being bootlegged so badly that he had to. To ensure that people had a superior sounding... Just just to get rid of the bootleggers. Yeah. Like the bootleggers had no competition uh, with Chance the Rapper CDs. Right. So Chance was like, well, I guess I better press up some CDs and get rid of these guys. Huh. Literally. But up to, uh, over that, it's hats and... Awesome performances and, you know, beer koozies or whatever. That's what he's doing. Uh, He's real creative with the merch. He has never sold, run the jewels, never sold music. You can get it on vinyl or whatever, but when it drops, it's like, that's it. And, you know, these telecoms are super powerful. These tech companies are super powerful. As we were discussing earlier, people are being sucked into their phone and not the other way around. Yeah. And, um... People like you and I are oddly uh, a generation that remembers when it wasn't like this. Yeah, so, I mean, we're out of date. I wouldn't say we're out of date. A lot of my writing gigs want things to sound more human. Huh. I'm like, can't find a human? Let me help with that. (laughs) (laughs) Right. Right. So, um, so how is so? What's the name of the label? That is Mellow Music Group. And how and like, what's the process been like working with them to to put a piece of music into the world for people to hear it? That is that. Fe- I mean, people people are hearing it, right? It f- seems that way. Yeah, it's hard to say. I mean, you know, it's like there's all these platforms. Like, I get reactions on text. I get reactions on different social platforms. Uh-huh. Once in a while in person. Eager for yours. Right. Um, 
one thing that hasn't changed is I think people who are inspired by it go and make something. Uh-huh. And people who, well, I'm kind of waiting for the quote-unquote uh, backlash. Okay. People who don't like it are vocal, and people who love it are uh, productive. That's what I tell any artist who uh, wishes they got better feedback. But right now, the, I can't complain. The feedback is but great. But you're getting feedback. I, I think for a lot of artists, that there is no feedback either way is where they find themselves like feeling like they're in the wilderness. But I think bottom line is 90% of the con- people who take it in don't give feedback. Whether you get feedback or not, right. it's just, it's so weird how it doesn't, you don't generally get it. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. Do you wish you got more feedback? No, I'm not thinking about myself. I mean, I, I was having a conversation um, the other day with a, a younger musician who's, you know, learning all this stuff um, for the first time. They're just beginning to put their stuff out there mm-hmm, and, mm-hmm. you know, embark on what will undoubtedly be a long, hard, lonely road. Um, that's just is what it is, mm-hmm. you know, and there's no I don't know that there's any trickery to ensure that that road isn't lonely, hard and long. Um, but part of what this person was saying to me is like, I, I put all this work into this thing. I mm-hmm. put it out. Mm-hmm. I put it online, and it's like, what's the sound of a one hand clapping? Right. <laughs> you know. And I, I don't have a, a positive answer to that. I have a rhyme for that. Yeah. It's something about um. Sometimes she felt like no one listened. Her voice felt so distant that the silence would kiss wind. <laughs> That's like a couple of days old. Yeah. Um, well, you know, you perform all the time. No, that's I don't. Where you, well, I haven't been. You are in a world that performs all the time, yes. and that's where you get your visceral feedback. And I think it's not just about compliments and reviews and, like, you did this good and you did that bad. Like, my theory is artists are so lonely that they are sending out signals to people that they want to pull into their circle. Hmm. And the real feedback is the people who get that signal so strongly that it brings them into their circle. And one of the best things that has happened in the last week is that like a drummer from a rock band that me and Yaz toured with over 10 years ago, Jesus, 15 years ago, found me. I knew he was in New York, Mm -hmm. but... Literally the day before he found me, I was wondering where he was. Mm. The, these vibes go out and then don't just connect, but like it's almost like a like the Batman grappling hook where it like shoots out yeah. and then you get pulled together. Like that's the real feedback, quote unquote. It's more legitimate than actual feedback. It's quite like psh, like this right now. Yes, right. Did I have to ask for a budget? from a stranger to come talk to you? No, but this is it. Like being together, like the art that brings people together, right? Does that mean I'm ready to haul ass in a van and go into debt? A lot of people are asking me that. They're not asking like, they're not asking it. That's the actuality They're not phrasing it it that way. And I'm just like, "Ah, no, yes, no, a little. Right. No. 
you know, can I can I drop uh, can I drop a Maury Sendak in six months that twenty like that twenty thousand percent sizes my guarantee? I don't know. Like I'm I'm gonna do spot dates here and there. I wanna do cool uh experimental, like intimate little uh lyric shares and performances like i'm I'm trying to work i'm working it all out it should have been worked out already Mm -hmm. oops but um you know i'm I'm figuring it out like yeah i'm but the work itself like if i didn't put it out before it's because it wasn't this and now it is this yeah like when i listened to it i kind of got over the cringy i can't listen to that shit the day it came out they came out all the misgivings I might have had, or the uh, I can't hear that song one more time thing. Once I knew that other people were hearing it, I was like, "Wow, it is what it is." And um, I have a different favorite song all the time. Yeah, but wait, 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 that that part of it where it's like it's you cringe when you listen to it. Do, do you find yourself cringing less when you listen to this than stuff in the past? If you, um, that's an interesting question. I don't listen to anything else. But like, we, when I'll you, have to start listening to re-memorize everything when your first ep came out uh-huh did you have that cringe or were you like fuck yeah this is amazing everyone needs to hear it i would say with all the records there were one or two pieces where i'm like oof that did not hit you wish like you could take supposed. it back <laughs> yeah you wish you could take it back or you're just like oh that didn't come out right more like it not i could take it back but i should have done it different right yeah. And that's every time. And, um, you know, it was more painful in the first one because I didn't know that's how it is. That you just have to live with that. So uh, have you ever seen um, the Christoph Kostowski uh, documentary? It's called I'm Okay. No. So you know, the, the premise of the title is the same as what any European intellectual or any european person period would say which is in america everyone says i'm great i'm great how are you i'm great you ask me how am i doing i say i'm okay so um that's the title and he said and this blew my mind because i thought his films were such masterpieces he said um if i can get to 70 percent of my vision that's a success and i was like what that's pretty low that is pretty low. But I was like, if he's going to say that about his films that I think are masterpieces and world beloved and involving maybe millions of dollars and thousands of people in the cast and crew. And for me to like shoot above that on nights and weekends and lunch hours yeah. is a little unrealistic. But I wonder... So it, I'm not, I don't want to say that... He my, mean, did he mean like he... Like as a was is that a um, I have to make this more concise in the edit. Uh, he's talking about his own process, his own creative output, or is he talking about negotiating like a studio system no, that no, was no, no, infiltrating no, no. his process? Ah, uh, um. Like now that you say it like that, it's probably a little of both. Yeah, but I don't remember him blaming it on anybody else. Right, that's not the spirit in which he meant it. He meant from vision to execution. Yeah. And that's like, I think I got over 70%, you know, on this, 
on Echo Chamber. He got me thinking, man. Right now, because so I just I'm like it's being mastered right now. Finished this new record. Oh, I can't wait to hear it. Well, mastering <laughs> is very painful. It master, it's really painful. This was the best mastering experience I ever had by far. It's really painful, and you should be there. What do you mean it's being mastered right now? And it's, someone's the, doing it remotely, and we're sending notes back and forth. I, don't like I know. That. I should be there. I t- I I got an Airbnb in Boston and everything. I went up there. I took time off from work. I was there. Yeah. In fact, I posted my sketches this morning. Oh yeah. Yeah. I'll check that out. But now, as I haven't released something in two years. Next time, go. Yeah, well, I have in the past. Like when, when I've been on, when the, I've done records for Zodic, you know, which there's a bit of money and John uh-huh. hires a really, you know, great mastering engineer. Those are attended sessions and that's like a, you know, it's like the royal treatment. And I haven't done that. Yeah, I, it's, it's only now that you're saying that that I'm like, of course you should attend the mastering session. I should be there. Um, anyway, no, but now that it's like, it's, you know, the artwork's done. The layout's coming together. I'm approving the masters. There's a date. I already resent the music. That's fine. I, I resent it. It's not that I'm like, oh, I wish this was different. Like, I, I, I'm like, oh, God. Like, I, I, it's like the same reason I think I don't have children, because I would just resent them. But as with children, I would say that's fair, and you also love them, and there's a reason all those things would or do exist. Yeah. It's it's only the American nonsense that would whisper in your ear you shouldn't resent it. It's the most common thing in the world to be sick of the thing you've worked on around the clock for practically no reason and have heard <laughs> a thousand times more times than anybody else. Yeah. That's fine. I applaud you for releasing it. I'll give you another quote. Rick Rubin said that when artists spend too long on something in the name of perfecting it, what they're really doing is losing chapters of their lives. When I read that, I was like, I lost some chapters of my life in the name of perfecting it. But, you know, it goes back to that momentum thing. And I look at people I know, like Zorn is a great example. He's someone, you know, he's an older figure in my life. And, you know, we have a very special relationship. And I watch him work. And he works with zero hesitation. He executes on a level of mastery that very few people ever get to. Yep. Um, but it's all based on the you know years and years and years of putting his 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 method together. Mm-hmm. Um, and he has you know called me out at times. He's oh, like, well, yeah, like you're spending way too much time. You're spending this much time on a solo record. Like, what are you doing? Is this like something you should be working out with a therapist or with a piece of music? And it's like a straight up. What's the difference? I would say. <laughs> well. I, I, but that's that's like a, a, a fear I had. It's like how much of what I'm putting out there is like, oh, should that just be – like I have a bunch. Now, ever since I've been thinking like that for the last like 10 years or so, I have hours and hours of recorded music that I have no intention of anyone ever hearing uh-huh. for that reason. Okay. Um, I don't know. Just release it. That's an interesting question. But well, it, it's not just about being creative though because it's also like the way in which people – the, the way the world has evolved or devolved or however you want to describe it and how people release music and rotted people... <laughs> overheated that's disgusting let's get scientific about it yeah um, but extinctified jellyfish blossomed ice devastated invertebrate collapsed excuse me vertebrate collapsed is what I meant to say uh, sorry continue did uh, you know that vertebrates are in steep decline really the hubris of human beings to be like yeah, but I'm not a vertebrate. <laughs> As you were saying, uh, I don't even know what the fuck I was saying. I, we st- we live in a trash heap. 
the the branch that was are you working this out with music or with a therapist was it the branch That's where that we straight on. I mean, it's just the world's a fucking trash heap, and it's like just because you could do something doesn't mean you have to fucking do it, you know. And I just wish people would put less. I don't want to be contributing to the amount of shit that I see being done, and uh-huh. it's just like, you know, when you see like um. When you watch like the good, the bad, and the ugly, and you see Clint Eastwood, and you're like, that's who you should be. Like, be quiet, be effective, make your point, and dip, you know? And it's just like any – think about how much shit you take in. If you open up your computer – That was the most jingoistic, <laughs> antithetical example that I'm so stuck on now. Really? I guess since it was based on samurai, I can kind of get with it. Yeah? That's who you should be. I mean, I love those movies. I think you should be the piano player who lives. What from the, the Auschwitz end. movie? <laughs> no, you know, you know, the one in the saloon who oh, survives we- somehow, and everybody else is dead or leaves town. Yeah, that's the guy. Better than the colonist. I think. Well, how many directions can we go with this? I I wish I had more of a colonist's instinct. Wow. I wish that the colonists would go fuck themselves. <laughs> <laughs> That's fucking funny. That's really funny. No, but wait, just going back though, it's just like, I don't know. It, I just feel so inundated with shit uh-huh. that maybe it just made me very self-aware about like anything I do say, create. And and what the is there really a value to this? Is there anything more to say? Is there anything? I remember when I was like, "What's up with your podcast?" And you were like, "I stopped it." Yeah. I was like, "Why?" And you were like, "Cause no one gives a shit." And I was like, "I give a shit." Yeah. And now look, I'm so glad it exists. Yeah. I mean, it's still no one gives a shit. <laughs> I, I, I <laughs> maybe it doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. I. The only way I'm able to do something like this now, and maybe this is like a version of that momentum, is I've figured out a way to do it that is not personally taxing on me. Mm. You know, I used to really like struggle with it and put a lot more, uh, I think, needless work into it, Mm -hmm. stressing out, Mm -hmm. you know, editing things a certain way, you know, feeling, taking things personally when someone, you know, didn't like it or whatever. And now, like, we're going to have this conversation. You'll leave, I'll spend an hour editing it, putting it together, and I won't think about it again. And so that has allowed me to have this thing ha- that, that keeps going, and I feel like I'm not even really like, doing it, to be honest with you. It's kind of, it, and it's ideal. It feels a little... That is very... Less... Feng shui. It is. It feels like I'm less emotionally involved with it, which maybe I was like scared about, but it's like, no, it's just like it happens, and then I don't deal with it. I like that line. It happens and then I don't deal with it. Yeah. Look, we've manifested a process by which creative stuff is going to manifest and then we share it and then we don't deal with it and we make the next thing. That's all you can do. Mm -hmm. It really is. Like, No matter how intellectual the conversation becomes, no matter how uh, angry you might get or, or sad, at the end of the day, it's like it's a very simple answer. Just well, create something and then move on to the next thing. I mean, yeah, I guess what you're saying is what's the intention? Like, where is the work to be done? Like, without turning your work into propaganda, you know, one thing I have learned is that comedy and a laugh will open the door 
by which an idea can slip through and change somebody's mind. And if you are hoping to change somebody's mind about something, because you think you know the path for humanity, let's say, and you know that you're preaching to the converted by just doing a cyclical creation release, keep going thing without putting more intentionality behind it, mm. then I, I do posit comedy as a sort of higher form if we're going to say that culture should bring hope and change. Because, well, let me ask you this. Hmm. Has art ever changed your mind about something? I don't know that it has. It's really tough. Usually what it does is, at best, it makes you feel less alone in a couple of ways. It can make you, it can bring you to the strong feeling you've been avoiding. So there's a catharsis. And it can uh, articulate something that you totally agree with. And you're like, mm, see, that's what I was trying to say. <laughs> right? But then there's this other thing that comedians can do. And from what I understand... As a population, it's the most miserable, even worse than jazz. Well, I wouldn't go that well, far. I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> uh, where, like, they, they have the power to get people to see things in a new way, which is pretty high yeah. level. It is pretty high level. And uh, I, I envy my brother Youngman for embracing... Young comedy man. all the way is he that's his mission i mean some of his stuff is a little bit gangster i don't know why he would say i do strictly comedy so wait, he doesn't see himself he sees himself more as a comedian than a rapper prince paul's mission with him is every couplet has to hit hard like a car crash and make you guffaw and nod your head in equal measure prince paul set that as a mandate yeah okay and did Youngman even like is is the is the power of Prince Paul not lost on him? The fact that this like of who Prince Paul is, he he knows that Prince Paul is like a master of his craft. I think that a lot of us feel that Prince Paul is the only audience that's important. <laughs> yes, and Youngman's aware of this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, when he works with Milo, he talks about some other stuff. I guess when he's not. In the studio with Paul. I mean, it's, so, it's wait, a funny wait, thing. Explain young, young men to me because uh, I didn't even know you had a brother. He's like a half brother. Whenever, but when I say that, he gets all offended because he's like, I don't call you that. Right. But so that's a little brother too. He probably feels like you're putting him out there on his Hardly. Own. He's so much older than me. Oh, really? Yeah. I thought you, I, I guess the name He's been young 50 men. for years. <laughs> Yeah, he should speak. You should talk to I him. Talk to Youngman. I don't like putting words in his mouth. Right? Is he, <laughs> but this but this new record is the first time you guys have collaborated together. Well, we have demos here and there. I, I can't even say collaborated. He kind of more like has a solo. Right. He kind of stole the show on that solo. That's fine. You I will what? say I've that- heard that. That's fine. He's gifted. What can I? You know, uh, this amazing martial artist who I met in Whole Foods uh-huh. last night. Right before my son's clarinet show. Did I send you a photo? You, you sent me a text. You didn't send me the photo. You just oh, said okay. You right I'll show you on my phone. How was that? Ba, 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 ba. 
So wait, so you, were, you were at Whole Foods last night. On the Bowery? Uh, I'll leave that okay. up in the ether. So um, this guy had this amazing phrasing where he said, and I'm rhyme slating now because it's not exactly what he said. He said that the strong and wrong overtake the subtle and befuddled which is not exactly what he said. He said he was talking about the strong and wrong. I was already trying to translate what he was saying into rhyme while he was talking to me, but I was pretty focused on what he was saying. Uh, has overwhelmed the nuanced and accurate. That's what he said. Huh. And um, so, you know, I think Youngman falls into that category. I'm more interested in being nuanced and accurate. And he's a little bit like, this is how the world works, and that's it. But I guess that's, you know, just uh, an aspect of our different upbringings. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, I had more drama at home, so I was more always looking behind the door uh-huh. where things just sort of either fell into place or didn't for him. Mm-hmm. I, I, you know, whatever. Who could say? Yeah. But are you guys going to work together more? I guess. He's pretty annoying in the studio, but yeah. Is that what you'd like to hear? Uh, I, I have to say, and I don't mean this to you know be like a diss in any way, but I've listened to the new record, Echo Chamber, two or three times. Thank you. His verse is the one that pops out the most to me uh-huh. when I think back on it, and the one where I kind of go, God damn, that was really good. Nice. So it's He's cool. good. He's, he's good. good. Look, he taught, he'll tell you he taught me everything he knows. He's been doing this longer than me. It's fine. Yeah, but he's also kind of a, kind of a fuck up, isn't he? I mean, no. Okay, sorry. What do you, what I, do you mean I, by fuck up? I'll, I, I don't know. I just, I just, I, I got the impression that he, you know, has a, uh, you know, along the way made some stop offs uh, along the road that maybe weren't to his betterment. Haven't we all? Haven't we all? I, I, but he's a good, let me just say, he's a good friend. Who's your brother? What? That's a given. <laughs> <laughs> Is that how it worked out in the Bible? <laughs> <laughs> so wait, are you, wait, you said a second ago that you are going to do some, some shows. Are you going to do shows? So I have one show lined up in L.A., and I definitely have to hook up something in New York. Where's the show in L.A.? It's the Low End Theory, July 25th. Where the fuck is Low End Theory? The airliner, usually. What's the airliner? A venue I've never been to. Do you know where in Los Angeles? That's not specific enough. <laughs> it's like, you know, in the sun. You could part. tell Uber. You tell Uber. <laughs> the airliner. Okay, I, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'll probably be in L.A. in July. Maybe. Are you serious? Yeah, go You got to come. I'll, I'll see. I hope to. It's a Wednesday. Great. I don't like to go out on weekends. Awesome. Um, and uh, um, and I'm, I'm figuring out other stuff. Yeah. A European booker just emailed me. Really? Have you, have you toured Europe before? Mm-hmm. It's, uh, it's, I played Manchester, which was bananas. I played Paris. I played London. I played the art museum in London. I played uh-huh. a boat in Brighton. Brighton's really cool. Um, I played Liverpool. <sighs> Man, those were good times. Liverpool is... Um, it ain't Paris. Mm-mm. It ain't Rome. It ain't New York. It's more like a, like Compton or something or Detroit. It's a fucking shithole. Well, I wouldn't say that. Well, I, I had the worst gig of my life there. Oh, really? And, and just the full experience of like where I slept and the food that I what ate. What was your European the, tour like? Uh, we'll, we'll talk, we'll talk about that later. I've, okay. All right. Um, I think we fucking did it. What do you mean? We hit the six-hour mark? Well, we hit the 66-minute mark. 
Well, what else do we have to talk about? The the whole rest of the record that didn't impress you so much. No, so <laughs> I'm still taking it because what? Okay, so here's here's something to talk about. I realize now that when I check out your records, that I will keep going back to them because you have a way of doing things that there's these like intricacies to the way the the rhymes are constructed. Um. But it was more than meets the eye. And an example of, yes. of that would be palindrome rhyming. Mm-hmm. Uh, is it cross-stick or double cross-stick rhyming? Well, one of each. You've done one of each. Mm-hmm. Uh, is there are, there, are there aspects of that? Oh, undoing lowness is insane. Yeah. So describe some of that. So I go, division of people, division of words, the inner tear any that you didn't even know was there. That you thought you won over, but always comes despair. Despair uh-huh. and this pair. Uh-huh. When confronted, why we begin a split in half. Models taught us bottle up, and allies ain't into it. And allies ain't into it. Analyze ain't intuition. To intuit. Yes. Swing forward defenses swing for the fences swing for defense mechanisms swing for defenses you think isn't too great you think this isn't too great you think disintegrate all the way through that song i am double meaningifying the splitting of an internal existence and the beat is butter, and it's funny. And that's the main one that takes on this outrageous formal construct. Yes. Sprinkled here and there are other things. Yes. Like um, kings play chess or feel great stress. At the beginning of Meat and Bone. Kings play chess or feel great stress. File them in a class of his own, order words to impress. Kings play chess or feel great stress. K-P-C-O-F-G-S. K-P-C-O-F-G-S. Kingdom phylum. Class. Order family genus species. Yes. That's exactly what I'm talking about. So there's shit like that. And like, you know, while everybody at school is like every good boy deserves fudge, now they have this other thing. This ninth grade biology thing. Which is even true on its own. To play chess as a leader is important, right? Yes. But also kings are the main piece to protect within chess. Also it rhymes. Also it's simple. It's true on the surface, but it also introduces this crazy scheme of meat and bone and the limitations and beauty of our physical bodies. And that's how that song kicks off. It's very labyrinthine. Labyrinthine? Labyr- labyrinthine? Is that the word? I, I, it's I like a fucking both. labyrinth. Well, of, 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 and it's like. Um, I, I, I prefer to think that it rewards multiple listens. Hope- I believe that it does. And I believe for that, for that aspect of it specifically, that's when liner notes and lyric sheets are helpful. Oh, I brought you one. Yeah. And I guess we should probably post one. I'll post one. But it helps you to, to decipher it, you know? Like, yeah. Um, it's not readily apparent. But I you had which song was it? You had a rhyme that was something about uh presenting uh a challenge of 
more information in one song than the next man's yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Than, 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 uh, than another man's next album uh-huh yeah and like it's true and yeah. I, I i've actually taken that approach very seriously cool and we'll think about that when I'm doing these like hyper like edited pieces of music where I'm like this has to have more happening mm-hmm. in 30 seconds than an entire album of something else that might be coming out at right. the same time. Well, I mean, we don't want to force it. No. But we do want to live up to our potential. Well, I mean, I went to the Cloisters the other day. Oh, nice. And I saw these little wooden boxes, these uh-huh. like little Dutch uh, yeah. carvings. You know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. No. It's like you could literally put it in your pocket and then you flip it open. And there's these like nativity scenes and like biblical art that is, you need glasses. Uh, you need like a micro, like a microscope mm-hmm. to see what mm-hmm. is going on. And there's so much detail. And who, I don't, I still don't know how the thing was like, you know, 800 years old. That to me is like that hyper detail. And then have it to be something you could just close up like a nugget and put in your pocket. That's, uh, that's the anonymous craftsman had it going on. Yeah. Aesthetically, that's something that I don't think I'm ever going to lose interest in. Same. Something with just so much detail, and if people don't see it, like it's not your fault. <laughs> I agree. And it should find the people who, you know, need that. Mm-hmm. Let's hope it does. It will. I mean, you know, that's the amazing thing about the accessibility. Well, the accessibility has also made it really difficult for Well, people. It, I have faith that this thing's going to spread around for as long as there's electricity. Your new record? Yeah. I fucking hope so. Yeah. You want to wrap it at that? That's good, man. Thank you so MC much. Paul B. <laughs> Check it. Message to the last kids on earth. I'd rather be dead than afraid. All right. That was MC Paul Barman. That was a lot of fun for me. I hope that you guys enjoyed that. Uh, I, I, I get a kick out of Paul. And I'm going to try to get Youngman on the phone at some point. He's, uh, he's a fascinating character to me. I think he lives out in Bay Ridge or Bensonhurst, somewhere out, uh, out there in deep Brooklyn. Check out Paul's new record, Echo Chamber. I'm playing it back there. It's a, it's a special record. Go to mcpaulbarman.com to learn more. Check out his lyrics, check out his other records. It's all amazing. Go to the Patreon. Throw in a few bucks if you're so inclined. Uh, go to the website. Check out all the past episodes. There's a lot of stuff there. 160-some-odd episodes. And that's it. Hope you guys are all cool. We'll be back next week with another episode. And until then, I hope you guys are having a great week. All right. Bye. We're born and bred to be torn in shreds I'm not scared, don't care if your parent principal or got horns on your head I'd rather be cremated than frightened, be hated and fight friends than deflated at night's end Schools made your messages stay indoors Divorced from your instincts then they win wars A spinning sword of spending your resources Unfortunately people are beasts and ceaselessly fleece whoever's at peace The worst bullies at school become the police And then get a quota once per day at least Baby boomers dropped dead yesterday or maybe sooner You created tumors all over the globe and spread faceless rumors It's almost humorous the depths you're a treachery 
Charge us for everything and then add an extra fee. Lecherous rapist with measureless treasury? You're over the hill. You lowered your skills, so we go for the kill. Why conform to survive? I'd rather trust our lives with someone who's five. That'll rattle your cage door, this is what fourth grade was made for We've planned to live past our last stand, much beyond, so what be afraid for? Acorn, we're completely pressed against the wall There's no defense but offense to all I'd rather be BBRL you enter than make like a father who makes malls moves to the center Which is really far right, alright, here's you new dentures Our fleeting visit to this planet is excruciatingly exquisite Is it never enough joy or is numbness too explicit? I'd rather die alive today than die dead in decades Smile my wide to my face instead of as sex slaves Checkmate, if you kill every child we still hit historical essays All over the land causing permanent headaches I'd rather die a happy kid than as a sad adult They're lighting the oily rags to the catapult Unite your right with your left hand and bring sight with your breath It's a fight to the death